The reading this morning is from John 3, verse 16, and John 13, verses 34 to 35. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Thank you, Rosemary. It's beautiful. Good morning, church. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sarah. I'm the associate pastor here at Kerry Church. And it's my absolute privilege to be able to speak to you today. Like Pastor Pete said earlier, this morning we are starting a new series called Encountering Jesus. And in this series, we'll be looking through the Gospel of John. Uh, We'll be looking um, where, where we're going to be learning about people who met with Jesus. They had somewhat of an encounter with Jesus. And so... Uh, we see that in many instances, these encounters with Jesus were life-changing. And so over the course of, of this series, the team will be taking us through some of these encounters. And together, we're going to explore the takeaways from these stories that we can apply to ourselves today. But to get us started, I actually want to start at the beginning of our own encounter with Jesus. If you identify as a Christian, that is, you have said yes to Jesus being your Lord and Saviour, you most likely experience something life-changing, just like the people who had an encounter with Jesus that we'll be reading about over the coming weeks. Now, whether you encountered Jesus back in Bible times, a thousand years ago, or just this morning, when people encountered Jesus, their lives Now, for some people, it's huge and it's obvious. For some, it's more subtle. But there are a few things that should look similar in our lives when we have had an encounter with Jesus. As followers of Jesus, the Bible identifies some character traits and some actions that should look similar across the board because of our own encounter with Jesus. Now, if we go back to the very beginning of our faith journey. It all started because of the truth in John 3:16 that Rosemary read out. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's because of God's love that he sent Jesus in the first place. We're then told in Romans 10:9 that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And for many of us, that was the key point in our lives when we encountered Jesus. When we first believed that Jesus is the Son of God and died on the cross for our sins and he rose again and we dedicated our lives to following him. Because of that, we started our Christian walk to become more like Christ, which brings me to the character trait and the action that we should all share as Christians And that is one of love. Now 1 John 4, 8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. 1 John 4, 19, We love because he first loved us. 
And Jesus himself, as recorded in the Gospel of John, says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you what? Love one another. Now, when we encountered Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, our lives, they were changed and we were charged with the action of love. And so today, I want to talk about a specific way that we can demonstrate our love. In fact, the Bible instructs us, instructs us to show love in this way. Um, and it's a topic that I'm very passionate about. It's a topic that I've been living for nearly a year now. Uh, and this is kind of an in-your-face message. I don't really apologise. You know, it's kind of like the sorry, not sorry kind of thing. Um, and it's just because it's such an important topic this morning. So would you join me as we just commit this time to God? I think it's really important. Father God, as we pray, uh, as we talk about a topic today that I believe is so important to you, I pray that your spirit will minister to each person in this room or listening to my voice. Would you break our hearts for what breaks yours, but also protect our hearts from any feelings of condemnation as we know that is not of you. But rather, God, we invite your spirit to convict our spirits and prompt us in the loving ways that you do so that we may know your will for us. Amen. We're just going to jump right in. So now, it's not going to be a surprise to you when I tell you that just because a woman gets pregnant doesn't necessarily mean she's ready to be a mum. Who's aware of that to be the case in our world today? Yeah. Uh, you know that there are a lot of really unfortunate circumstances that take place. There are women who are massively addicted, those who have been abused and mistreated and don't yet know how to show love. Um, there's those who suffer from mental illnesses and you know the list could go on as to why some people are not properly equipped yet to be great, a great caregiver for a child. Now, the same is true with a guy. You know, just because you get a woman pregnant doesn't mean you're ready to be a dad. And sometimes it's for many of the same reasons. Now, that may sound harsh this morning, but it's actually just a reality of the world we live in. And because of this, there are around 50,000 children in out-of-home care, uh, out care in Australia, with over 5,000 of these children right here in WA. Now, maybe those figures aren't really a shock to you, but for others, I know that these stats can be quite overwhelming, and you could be thinking, oh my gosh, there are so many, and you're absolutely right. But what we have to remember today is... There are far more Christians in the world today than children who need homes. Now, I'm going to say that again because I believe God is going to stir some hearts in a significant way this morning. There are far more people who have had an encounter with Jesus, who are followers of Christ in the world today, than there are children who need homes. And I'm believing with all my heart that we as the church can make a difference. And so I want to show you that the church is God's plan A to help children who are in need. In fact, I want to look at the words of James, the brother of Jesus, in James 1.27, as he defines what pure religion is. James says that the purest form of religion 
that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. In other words, to live a holy life that would please God. What is the purest form of religion that our God accepts? To care for the orphans, to care for the widows, and to keep ourselves pure from the temptations of sin in this world. And so I think it's pretty clear that caring for those in need is close to the heart of God, don't you agree? If you don't agree, you're wrong. It's very, <laughs> it's very close to the heart of God. Um, I also think that this is close to many of your hearts too. I actually believe it's born in your spirit and that if I showed you some pictures of children and told you this, their stories, I know your heart would jump into action and many of you would immediately say, how can I help? What can we do? You know, I'm in, I want to help. And so I'm going to give you an example this morning. If I showed you a picture of three-month-old Charlie, it's going to be up on the screen there, and explain to you that Charlie's mum is currently in rehab trying to get off meth um, and unfortunately, she doesn't know who the dad is. If I showed you this adorable little three-month-old child, what would many of you do? You would ask, how can I help? I'm in, tell me what I can do. If I showed you pictures of Amelia, who's nine, and her brother Noah, who's seven, and explained to you that their dad is in prison uh, and their mum very sadly overdosed and died, um, and they want to stay together, but unfortunately it's really hard to get sibling groups looked after and they can't find anyone to take them in. I can guarantee you that many of you would say, what do I need to do? How can we help? Now, why would you respond like that? Well, it's because you saw faces, you heard names, you heard a story. A face to a name in the story makes you care. And the 50,000 children needing homes in our country, guess what? Every single one of them has a name. Every single one of them has a story. And I believe that God calls us as the church to care about those who are in need, to show love to those who need it the most. Now, if we were to compile a list of, this, of some of the biggest problems in the world that, um, that affect families and society today, now some of the things would be, it would include broken families, fatherlessness, divorce, poverty, substance abuse, incarceration, homelessness, domestic abuse, gang violence, racism, teenage pregnancy, human trafficking, and you know there are so many more, but that was a quick list today. When looking at those, who do you think pays the highest price for these problems? Who? Children. Children do. Those who didn't cause the problems and those who do not have the ability to solve those problems. Children pay the highest price. And perhaps that's one of the reasons why God tells us in Psalm 82 verses 3 to 4 that ch the church is God's plan A. And he says to do what? He says... Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And I believe that all of us, we have the sense. You're a good human being. You care about those in need. You see someone in trouble. You see someone in need and your heart goes out to them. All right, it's, it's that sense that you need to do 
something. You need to rescue the needy, defend the weak, care for the fatherless. And yet it's so easy in our world, and I'm just like you, to be out of sight, out of mind. You know, I've got my own kids, I've got my own problems, I've got my own bills to pay, I've got my own stuff going on. I really have time to care about somebody else. But our God cares about these children more than we can imagine. This is the stuff that breaks the heart of God, and I believe that he's calling us, his church, to care about them as well. Now, I love the imagery of Psalm 68, verses 5 to 6, which tells us who God is. It tells us that God, he is a father to the fatherless. He is a defender of the widows. And what does God do? God sets the lonely in families. That's what God does. He sets the lonely in families. God sees a child who's crying out, who needs a home, and he is looking for a family who is willing to say yes. And God orchestrates and brings them into families. Why? So they can experience health and compassion and care and love And as people who have encountered Jesus and encountered the love of Christ, what a way for us to show that love to others. Now, what does God do? God picks up the lonely and he puts them into families. Now, here's the question. What if God's got his eye on your family? What if God is thinking about your home? What if, for some of you, You became the answer to a child's deepest prayer. God, give me a family. Give me someone to love me. Give me a place to belong. What if some of you were the answer to that prayer? Now, I know that a lot of you, as you hear this, it's really almost uncomfortable because you've got so much going on. And you're thinking, you know, I can't. I know I'm supposed to care, but I'm just not called to foster. Now, let me... Just say, you know what, for most of you, you're probably right. You you probably really aren't supposed to. In fact, some of you don't do it. You've got other things that you need to do right now. It's okay. Relax. Take a breath. You're not all called to do that. But before you say no, before you say I'm not, we're not, whatever, I would just encourage you to pray. And just pray, God, would you have us be involved? Would you have me do something? God, is there something you're going to call our family to, to be a blessing to someone in need? Before you just say, no, 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 pray and ask if God might have you do something. And as you ponder that, I just want to invite up two people to the stage. I'd love to invite up Annie uh, and Darren. Would you just give them a big round of applause as they make their way to the front? Don't be shy, come up. Now, Annie is from our Forestdale Church family and she works here at Kerry College. And Darren and Laura, Laura is currently looking after the children. Um, they have been a big part of our Kerry Church family here at Harrisdale. And so I've invited them up. I'm going to give that, give that one to you, Annie. Um, I've invited them up to share about how they prayed and God ministered to them and how God led them to be involved in blessing and helping and serving some children who were in significant need and what that looks like for them. So Annie, we've discussed some questions. So let's start with the first one. 
uh, how and why did you get involved in fostering? You guys can come, come right up here, right up here with me. Don't be intimidated by these people. They're very friendly. Smile. Say, we're friendly. All right, very good. I'd rather talk to children. Well, there's, there's some of them. <laughs> okay, morning. Um, so I grew up in a family of four. No, a f I was number four in a family of five. And I always thought that, you know, a couple more kids than that in a family would be pretty cool. So I thought seven kids was, you know, kind of the ideal. Um, but I also read a lot of books and I... I kind of thought, oh, fostering, that would be a great way to have a big family and help other kids. Um, but as I got older, I realised I wasn't actually the type of person who could cope with having that many kids all at once. And when I built my house back in 2013 or 2014, I initially thought that I was building it to provide care for kids from remote areas who might want to come to Kerry. Um, but... Then I felt like God was kind of turning me back towards my earlier dream of fostering. So I applied for fostering to be a respite carer. And since I started that in 2015, and since then, I took a year off when I was back in New Zealand, but since then I've been a respite carer, fostering about every second or third weekend, pretty much. That's awesome. And so that kind of, that's what it looks like in your family? In my family, it looks a little bit different to most. I'm a single person and I'm currently registered as a significant other or family carer for two kids for a sibling group. Um, I, as I said, I did some respite for a lot of other kids over, over those years, but I find it really hard to say no and I kind of get myself a little bit burnt out, a little bit exhausted. I'm working full time and all of that as well. So I, when I came back from New Zealand, I said I'll only care for these two kids that I'd already been involved in before I went away. Um, this is a way that's sustainable for me and I'm actually currently co-caring for these kids with another carer. So we had two respite carers in our village of carers for these kids and we've decided to team up. So every second weekend when we have the kids, I go to her place and the four of us all hang out together. Um, we're kind of like the uncool aunties. Um, we have lots of fun and it's really good having that backup and support from someone else. You just be able to get a bit of perspective when you're tearing your hair out or... Um, ready to yell when you really don't want to yell. Um, and as the kids are growing up, they're um, 12 and 14 now, um, they're getting better at getting on with each other. So we are having quite a lot of fun together on our, on our hangout weekends. Yeah, it sounds like fun. Um, what do people need to know about the fostering journey? This is where it gets real, people. Uh, well, fostering has some challenges. Obviously, you're... Um, You've got to expect that your heart is going to expand with love for these kids that come into your family, but you've also got to expect that your heart is going to be broken. You know, um, your heart just breaks uh, um, for what these kids have gone through, you know. Huh. Um, sometimes we see stories on the news and it just, it's like, how can those kids have to deal with that? You know, like Sarah said, it's not their fault. Um, I think... A lot of us have lived a fairly sheltered, safe sort of a life and we sit in church and we think about how God, you know, rescues us and, and solves all our problems, but he really does rescue these kids, you know, and he puts them in our hearts and, and we have the opportunity to show them some love, to, to give them a safe place to land, a family that can love them, a village that can support them. Um, 
as I said, is challenging. We're watching these kids grow up, we're watching them learn how do they develop their identity, how do they maintain some connection to their original family, yet, yet understand that what they went through wasn't right, wasn't true love. Um, I think we just have to continue to love them the best we can in the situation that we find ourselves. Um, I think kids in care have a really tough life. They, they get decisions made for them that are made by people that don't really know them. People in the department who see them once a month, you know, they don't know them like we know them. Um, but they make decisions about what school they go to, what therapists they see, all sorts of things. Um, whether they get any contact with their birth family, which is a really significant decision. All we can do is help our kids grow as they mature and process their past. They've got so much to think about. Um, so, should you go into foster care? Well, like Sarah said, maybe it's an opportunity. I think if you've got a room in your house, God will create room in your heart. There's no limit to love. But maybe as we're part of a village, you can be supportive of other people because I can't do this on my own. I have people around me that might turn up when I'm having a bad day and say, oh, come and have a cup of tea, you know. Just, just break the, the frustration, you know, be a distraction for the kids, you know. Take them with you on, on some, some fun adventure that, that I can't do. The good thing with, with our caring family is that I'm into outdoor stuff and Sky, the other carer, she's into crafty stuff. Um, so our kids have a really good blend of staying at home doing crafty stuff and going out and doing outdoor stuff. Um, so maybe you can just be involved in some way like that. Maybe you can make a meal for a family that are fostering because sometimes making, finding the energy to cook a good meal is really tough. Um, you just want to do the takeaway thing, which is not really ideal. That's awesome. Thanks, Annie. That's great. All right, Darren, it's your turn. Let's start with you. How and why did you and Laura get involved in uh, fostering? Um, yeah, so we got involved uh, back in 2018, so three years ago. Um, we, we basically just, we knew the desperate need um, for carers um, in our local area here. Um, and just that these, these innocent kids, they needed a loving and a safe home. Um, and we just got to the point we couldn't ignore it anymore. Um, we, we had abundant reasons not to foster. Um, uh, we, we, we had all our rooms filled and we had just lost a child. And, um, but we, like I said, we couldn't ignore it anymore, so we just said yes. Um, and in terms of how we went about getting into it, it's, was simply, uh, it was as simple as just typing into Google fostering WA. And we just found the nearest information meeting and just went along and checked it out. Um, yeah, awesome. Yeah. And so I'm guessing that it looks different for your family than what it does for Annie. Yep. So yep. tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so, so we started it. We started in pre-adoptive care. Um, so we had we had two babies from from very different circumstances. Um, the first one, uh, we got him at five days old. Um, he was in a um, in a situation. Um, where the, the, the cultural setting of his parents didn't accept the pregnancy. Um, so, so the parents were deciding what to do, so, so they were considering adoption. Um, the second one was, it was a two-month-old girl that was in a domestic violence situation, um, and, and her mum just needed some time to sort her life out. 
so we were, in, we were involved in her life. Both of those um, actually eventuated in a, in a really beautiful reunification with the parents. Um, and then after that, uh, so in 2020, we moved to the district, district care um, the, uh, in Armidale, uh, which is the, sort of where, we, where you look after the, the local cases um, where, with kids um, in safety situations, unsafe situations. Um, and, it, you know, we knew that there, there was a huge um, shortage of carers in Armidale, so it's, we switched over, switched over to there. Um, and then in September last year, we took on, uh, took on two separate placements, a 12-month-old um, girl that was removed from a domestic violence situation, um, and um, then a one-day-old, who we, we heard about previously, before she was born, knew that she was going to come straight into care because uh, she was in a drug, her, her, in a maternal drug abuse situation, so the, the mother addicted to meth, um, and... Um, She's actually, she's actually the fourth child of this mother, um, and it, we, we now know the circumstance of, of the first child that was born to that mother, um, who wasn't removed from care until he was 19 months old, um, and can't imagine the hell that he went through, and we're just so glad that we have our little girl down there. Um, and and she, was, she was removed from that situation sort of from day one. Um, so, very glad about that. Um, and, um, yeah, so, the, 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 yeah, it's, it's likely, that, um, likely that we're going to have her for 18 years. Um, so, yeah, until she sort of passes the age. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. What do you think people need to know about the fostering journey? Um, yeah, so people need to know that it is, it is the hardest but the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. Um, it's, uh, you know, people talk about let it, that I could never let them go. Letting them go, you know, we've had to let go uh, three of our kids, uh, foster kids so far, and it's heartbreaking every time. Um, but, but the pain that, that we go through is just incomparable to the benefit to these kids. Um, so, you know, we're, we're willing to suffer the heartbreak um, you know, to give these guys, these kids, a, a different trajectory in their life, um, because it really does. It sets teaching, having these kids learn the life skill of um, uh, what's the word, <laughs> the, the the foundational skill of attachment. So, especially with babies, we've had a lot of babies. Uh, just that foundational skill of attachment is going to stay with them for the rest of their life and in every relationship they ever have. Um, and, and just being able to, to, you know, give that to these kids by giving them love, um, giving them a loving home, showing them what true a true parent looks like, um, and, you know, sh and just showing them the love of the father. Um, yeah, because we've just, <laughs> we, we've just been given so much love that, you know, uh, like you say, uh, the, the, your heart just expands for these kids. Um, you know, and um, yeah, it's it's difficult to say no because you you just want to yeah you, you just want your walls to expand to to just you know bring in as many kids as you can and just yeah they, these these kids they 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 just need to know the love of the father and and we have it so <laughs> let's show it to them. <laughs> That's awesome. Would you give these guys a round of applause? Thank you so much. It's just amazing.
It's so good. What does God do? God picks up the lonely and he puts them into families and God is using the church to do it. Now, when you think about it, if you ever let a child into your home, if you ever say yes to this, you may never be more like God than in that moment when you do that. If you think about it, that may be the most God-like thing you do when you invite someone into your family. Because if you are a follower of Jesus, that's exactly what God did for you. You know, I was a spiritual orphan. I was separated from God by my sin. Because of Jesus, what did God do? God adopted me into his family. God gave me his name. Now I'm not on my own. I am in God's family. And he is my heavenly father. And I am a daughter of the king. I'm a child of God. And when you call on the name of Jesus, you are adopted into the family of God. You're not there because you're good. You're not there because you deserve it. You are there because God is good. You're there because he delights in reaching out to you and drawing you into his family. Now, this is the picture of salvation. This is the goodness of God. This is why Jesus came, that you might have an encounter with him and be spiritually born into the family of God. You can be a son or a daughter of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And when you do this with someone else, you are imitating God. You're inviting someone into your family to show them the very love that God has shown you. Now, I love the way that Paul said it to the believers in Ephesus. Ephesians 1.5, he said, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Now, I know that some of you are thinking, well, I could never, I could never foster. That would be so hard. I mean, to bring a child into my home and the greatest goal is to get them back to their biological family, it would just rip my heart out. And guess what? You are absolutely right, just like Darren said. You know, and I would, I would actually say that if it doesn't hurt, you're probably not doing it right. And now, my goal this morning, I promise you, is not... I don't want to make anyone feel guilty. I don't want to guilt anyone into this at all. Never, ever, ever, ever. I just want the church to recognize that we are God's plan A. And if the Holy Spirit speaks to you and nudges you, and if the Holy Spirit leads you to say yes, I want you to know two promises. And Darren actually already um, hinted to these. So the number one is that it will be hard beyond what you can imagine. It will be hard beyond what you can imagine. It will be one of the most difficult things you ever do. There will be more complications, more tears. You may have your own biological kids, but when you bring a child in who's um, been through a lot of stuff, a lot of challenges, it's going to be harder than you can imagine. And once you know that it's harder than you can imagine, the second promise is this, that the child is worth it. The children are worth it. They're absolutely and completely worth it. Now, not all of us can do everything, but I do believe that all of us can do something. Now, our family began our fostering journey at the beginning of last year, uh, and we were actually just planning on doing respite care for my sister, who's also a foster carer, but then the referrals started coming in, and I had that sense, I have to do something. These kids need a safe 
place to go. And so we decided that we could stretch ourselves and do emergency care. Now, with Kyle and I both working full-time and serving in ministry and having three teenagers, we just can't do long-term placements right now. And if I'm being completely honest, even this has been such a challenge. But in the last 12 months, we've provided care for six children in five different placements, ranging from four nights to four months and still counting. We've, we've not done any respite for my sister, but actually she's done two lots of respite care for us. Um, I sometimes feel really guilty for not being able to say yes to more children. But you know what? We are doing something. We're doing our bit. Now, other ways you might decide you can help, and Annie touched on this, is by supporting families who foster, by providing meals, cleaning or gardening. If you need my address, just let me know. Um, you, can, you can donate clothing or school supplies. You know, maybe actually God's put it on your heart to care for the single mum or dad or the widow. You know, you can care for them in the same ways. You don't have to work within the system. You can actually just work within God's system. And you can decide that when I see someone with a need, I am open and willing for God to use me to make a difference. You can do that. I want to invite another guest up. Um, would you welcome Louise Pekin up to the stage? Let's give her a big hand. Now, some of you may know Louise because she was the children's pastor here at Kerry back in 2011, 2012. But Louise is here this morning on behalf of an organisation called ARC. And she's going to share with you about her organisation and give you a practical opportunity to move forward. Thank you. It's very exciting to be back here um, this morning. So thank you, Sarah, for stepping up and stepping into this amazing ministry. And I am here uh, on behalf of ARC. It's a real privilege. The ARC stands for Aussies Responding to Kids. Um, and I actually think we've got a video. Have we got the video? We'll show you a little bit of a video just to kind of get a real understanding of what the picture looks like. You've heard a few stories, but what the picture looks like here in Western Australia.
So we too started our foster care journey while I was here attending Kerry about 11 years ago. And since then, we have seen 60 children come into our home for up to you know a night, up to now we have two little boys who are long-term a part of our family. And you can hear through the various stories you've heard this morning that foster care looks different for every family, that there is respite care, as Annie does, which is taking care of a child over a weekend, becoming that fun aunt, stepping in to support the fostering family. And that job is incredible, and I love my respite carers. Um, there is the emergency care, which is what my husband and I did for a long time, where we stood in the space where we were ready to get those 3 a.m. phone calls. We had the child come from a situation that would break your heart, but we could provide that Im immediate love and care for a child for a little while. Then there's the short-term care, and that can be anywhere between a few months to a few years, and that's still short-term, because foster care at the end of the day, its primary, primary job is to ensure that children are able to get back to family when it is safe to do so. And working along some families has been some of the highlights of our fostering journey. To see a family become whole again is a is an incredible experience and something that was hoped out of foster care. And then there is a the long-term care because unfortunately for so many children, there is a need for them to remain in a family forever. But the four of us that you've seen this morning, you know, I love hearing Darren saying, you know, he wants to just add more rooms and Annie saying that if you've got a room in your house, then you, you know, God will prepare the room in your heart. Uh, the reality is in just in Armidale district, there are nearly 600 children who are currently in the foster care system. So that's enough to fill the primary school here. Enough kids. And each of those children is someone that once you know their names and see their faces, they're a child who needs a safe family. But we can't do it at all. And so ARC, as part of ARC, is to step in and share this with churches. We come and speak to churches to hear and share the need. And I love that I haven't had to give the message today because Sarah's done an incredible message um, that I will probably steal. Um, so thank you for that. But it's the idea that everyone can do something and you may not be called to save all of the children none of us are but we are to you know we can be that family for one ark also comes along to stand beside families who have said yes and who step into foster care because the journey is hard we've all, we've heard that this morning and it's not something that you can do alone or should do alone god's people should be in community together so ARC comes along and connects our families together to make sure at the end of every day when you've had a really rough day or when you've had to say goodbye or when you just can't keep going that someone who understands what that means is at the end of the messenger on Facebook or is at the end of the phone or is there providing you with a meal because it's, it needs to be done together. So this morning I would actually, I'm here to invite you to an information session. Uh, we were... We are working alongside the Armidale Child Protection Department and we are hosting an information session here in your building on March 25th at 7pm. So if this is something that has spoken to you even a little bit and you really aren't sure if you're ready to jump in or if it's just something you want to learn more information about, I would love for you to join me here on, this, on the 25th. It's just over in the youth room. Sign up for it on your phones. You can pull them out now because I can say that because I'm not on staff here. So pull out your phones. Sign in on the, um, 
on the Kerry website or come and see me afterwards and I'll help you to do that. But we'd love to be able to just share what this next step could look like for you and give you more of an understanding of what it means to be a foster family and to be a part of this journey. That's so awesome. Thank you so much, Louise. Would you give Louise a thank you round of applause? Even though it may cost us, even though it will be difficult, it will be worth it. We are plan A. And God, who loves us so much, made a way for us to encounter Jesus so that we can love others, defend those who cannot defend themselves, and be the difference that this world so desperately needs. Let's pray. Father God, would you help us to be your hands and feet? Would you move us, God, out of our comfort zone to take a step of faith? Speak to each of us, Lord, showing each of us what our part to play is, that we can all do something. God, give us a heart for what is important to you. At church, as you stay in a posture of prayer, Let's just make this real simple today. You are not all called to foster, but all of us can do something. And so I want to invite you to make a commitment before God today. If you would simply say, I am open to whatever God calls me to do. I want eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to care. If God prompts me, moves me, my answer to him will be yes. If you say today, yes, I want to be open to what God will call me to do, would you just lift your hands right now, just as a dedication and a commitment to God? Yeah, I see hands going up. Yeah, that's awesome. And Father, I just thank you so much for a church full of people who want to care and show your love. God, I thank you in advance that you are going to speak to hearts. I thank you that there are children that have been praying for a long time, that their prayers are going to be answered today. Lord, I pray that no one would act out of guilt, that we would only act out of obedience to what you have called us to do. And God, I know that you call all of us to care and show love. I pray, Lord, that over the next few weeks and months that you would give all of us an opportunity to show love in some way. And when we can do that, would you empower us to recognise it for what it is, that we just fulfilled a small part of your calling for us to show love to someone who needs it. Would you empower us, God, as your church to show the love of Jesus to those who need it most. In Jesus' name. Amen.